The games are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings' free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs and the best part is that it is free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to Pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Spurs Cast episode 622. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. In this episode, Colin and I will discuss the Spurs' draft selections and then we'll preview free agency, which begins on Monday, August 2nd. Let's go ahead and get started here. Colin, how are you doing? I am doing well. I am doing primo, as you may say. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean that's going to be Josh Primo, who we're about to talk about. Yeah, that's good. I, I saw the HBA, I mean HEB commercial. You know, comps things are like things that work there, <laughs> not comps, but you know, like connections there. So right, yeah. So yeah, as Colin just mentioned there, you know, Spurscast. Let's go ahead and review the draft. Um, you know how it went on Thursday evening. Colin and I are recording this on a Friday afternoon. Um, and yeah, I mean the the the, the big word here is surprise with that twelfth pick. Um, the Spurs did select Josh Primo. It was a very surprising pick. Um, you know he. Was wasn't on our project spurs draft board he wasn't supposed to go until the 28th pick uh instead he goes he goes um at 12th and you know the earliest i saw on a mock was 20 was was 24th at the earliest now it wasn't just us you know you know those of us that cover the spurs and also the fans and and you know it was josh primo as well he he himself told us uh, you know we, we interviewed him in the media after the game and i mean not after the game after the draft uh and he said you know he was very surprised he didn't even believe his agent when he first told him you were drafted 12th to the spurs he just couldn't believe it um you know the spurs gm brian wright did speak with us after uh, making the selection and he says that, you know, they did explore trading down because, again, you know, Primo was supposed to go late first round here. And they, he says they did explore trading down, also trading up. But being on the clock at 12th, he says they, they went with Primo. That was their, their best. Um, th- that's who they best thought would, would work with their team. That's who they wanted. Um, he also says that, you know, he... You know, a lot of people were making a lot of uh, criticism toward the Spurs because, you know, no mocks really had him in this range at 12th. And so he basically said, you know, uh, uh, Brian Wright, the GM, that, you know, the intel a lot of times doesn't match the intel that the teams get from these players on these players. It does not match the mocks a lot of times. And so so they went with that direction. They went more so with their intel said Uh, they were happy. You know, he he used the word excited. Uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth was on 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 an interview with NBA TV. And he says, you know, the Spurs front office is raving about Josh Primo. So, So, you know, they from 
their front office perspective, they were they were willing to take that risk and you know go go basically like sixteen positions higher in the draft. And and you know the, the, there's been a lot of outrage. You know, Spurs fans have not been very happy. Um, you know, there's been a lot a lot of you know the, the comments are blowing up. You know, they're 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 asking for questions of the GM and all these different things. And then even like some draft analysts, you know, none of them obviously if they're making the mock drafts, they didn't see Primo going this high. So a lot of them are not giving the Spurs uh, very favorable grades on this on this pick. Uh, so before we get into who he is as a player, and even before um you know I talk about why the Spurs picked him, Colin, what are just what were your just initial thoughts on them taking Primo at twelve? So I I I am willing to be critical of the Spurs front office when I disagree with them, and I I, I can see the disaster potential here, right? Like this pick could be terrible. Um, what I will say in terms of holding evaluation back for a bit is that the Spurs are really only going to get, and I, I'm very hesitant to use this word, especially considering the uh, feelings with fans right now about Josh Primo, but the Spurs are only going to get their next like superstar best player on a championship level team or even second best player on a championship level team through the draft realistically. Like Maybe they can do it through a trade, but like with the Pelicans in their draft assets, with the Thunder in their draft assets, with the Rockets in their draft assets, there's always going to be a team out there with better assets than the Spurs. So the Spurs are really going to need it through the draft. And like drafting another high, like high production role player, but still wouldn't be the second or best team on the NBA, or like on an NBA championship team, isn't going to get them any closer. Like they, they have like five of those. And there's a couple of players who are looking like they're developing further. But when you look at his strengths, um, and like what his like very, very high outcome is, which I know we'll talk about, you can see why the Spurs were intrigued here, you know, shooting long, good instincts, you know, hints of playmaking that could get better. And, you know, if, if Jokic was drafted number 12 by the Nuggets, that would have been a terrible draft night for them. Right. Until all of yeah. a sudden he's the MVP of the league. So it's one of those things where projecting how well college players are going to play is very, very difficult outside of maybe the top five players in any class. You know, the top five players, you know, draft boards are pretty good at getting those right. Um, we just ran an article yesterday about how how bad historically the number 12 pick usually is. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. like, it, it's it's one of those things where... Could they have drafted a player who would have been a good role player and they, they almost had certainty in that? Sure, but the Spurs just really don't need another one of those. They need to take these home run chances, and if it fails, it fails, but they aren't getting any closer to a championship with another role player on their roster. So will Josh Primo ever become that? There's a low chance, but you know it's better to take these home run swings than just draft more and more role players and, and I mean, I guess get up to the sixth seed someday. You know, So I, I see the logic behind it. I don't like the idea that, well, we wanted a straight down to get him but he was here so he drafted him way higher anyway like that is kind of bad process but i still at least see the process and i think that that's being ignored right now yeah, so, so now let's talk about a little bit, you know, you kind of talked about, you know, who he is as a player. He's a 6'6 um, shooting guard uh, from Alabama. Um, he, you know, he was, uh, he, he right now, you know, he, he did shoot 38% in college, but right now, you know, if, if you're a 38% shooter at the college line, then that doesn't project to be a good shooter right away in year one at the NBA. So so that's kind of, I think that, you know, th- that number is not going to quite, you know, carry over to the NBA. I think he's going to struggle a little bit with his accuracy. Uh, he says that he's a switchable defender. I mean, you know, one through three, you mentioned how, how, how he's, he's long, he's got some versatility. Um, he, he himself says he wants to improve on his rebound 
rebounding, um, getting more physical, and then also on his playmaking. And, th- and that's a big key is that, you know, um, uh, Brian Wright says that basically the reason why they took him is just because of the upside they see in him, that he has a very high ceiling, uh, and especially at his age. He's the youngest player in this draft. So, so, so some notes that, that Wright mentioned was that basically if you look at him, he's like, it, it was like he was, he was playing, he, he was like a senior in high school playing in the SEC with Alabama. So he was already getting like real minutes at the college level. And really, he, he should be at the age of a senior. Uh, and then also, they really liked what they saw at the combine. You know, you know, at Alabama, he says, uh, Brian Wright, that they really kept him as, as a spot-up shooter on that team. And they didn't think he could do more with the ball in his hands. Well, when he went to the combine, at the combine, they put the ball in his hands. And he showed a lot of playmaking ability. And so that's what they're very intrigued by. Um, you know, uh, what, what else do we have here? So, so also... Um, you know what is his his he, he does project to be a role player down the road. Uh, different different um, uh, uh, NBA player comparisons are um, Terrence Ross. I've seen Karis Levert and Anthony Simons. So again, if you're going to talk about like a role player kind of player, then this is where he projects like a ceiling. But they hope that you know he has some some you know some star potential down the line. You know, and especially because he's so young and they start gets to start developing him now. Um, you know, as far as his outlook for next season, he's probably not going to have a big role. You know, most likely he's going to get some time in Austin, uh, or if the Spurs can't bring back patty mills and then hey maybe there's a there's a there's a chance to 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 compete with some of those guards like trey jones for some minutes in the backup role and and so yeah so so, i mean it's it's definitely a long-term play one thing you can you can notice is like like if you just look at his four-year scale extension right i mean his four years four-year contract he's only going to be 23 by the time he gets ready to be extension eligible and so you know you you have basically him in the nba now seeing if you can develop him past being better than just a terrence ross or a karis lavert or anthony simon so i think again it's a very um you know it's a risky move because i think that one, one part of it you know it's, it's not his fault, but there's going to be pressure on him, you know, unfortunately, because, you know, he was taken, you know, 16 positions ahead of where he should have gone. And there's always going to be those players that went after him. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and they should have been in that in that 12 spot on these different mocks. So I think that there's some pressure. Now, Colin, my, my question for you, though, is do we think that this might might uh, have some impact on Lonnie Walker? And the reason why I bring that up is because Lonnie's also shooting guard. He has an interesting offseason coming up because the Spurs can extend him um, on a new deal. Uh, before the, the start of the regular season, if they don't do that, well, then they, they, he becomes a restricted free agent next off season, so they could lose him. So, what, what, do you, what so I guess, what are some of your thoughts on, on some of the background I gave you on him, but then also, um, you know, how this might impact the Spurs with Lonnie Walker? So, you know, a player who is kind of maybe far away from being a contributor. I also understand why that's not super exciting for the Spurs fans out there, but I, I would say, you know, in the past, when you have a player like. Um, Forbes, who really wasn't a playmaker. He was really just a spot-up shooter. That was his role. He was all about shooting. But they sent him down to the G League and kind of ran things through him and tried to, like, teach him how to run the pick-and-roll as a mm-hmm. playmaker and all that kind of stuff. And and he was able to, like, kind of get there a little bit-ish. But, like, having a player who already kind of has some playmaking tendencies, it really just makes a ton of sense to, like, send him to Austin and let a lot of the offense go through him. That's going to be the best place for him to develop. Um, and I think that just based on the skills that he could develop based on the tools that are there, Austin is really, really a great situation for him. You know, and it might be a year or it might be two years. Yeah. But I think that if he can in year three come and be Karis LeVert with flashes of, you know, like that playmaking being a little bit better or the shooting being really good, then all of a sudden you have a play on your hands that you're happy that you got at 12. Um, but it is one of those things where we won't know the answer to that until you know maybe like 2023 or 2024 so it's just it's hard because like it could look like a great pick then but that's just two years you know and it's hard for people i think to project out that far and you know i mean another draft pick who happened very recently who's similar is like 
Lucas Amanich, right? Like we yeah. knew that he was raw coming in and we knew that it would take a couple of years for those skills to develop. So it, it just can be hard, I think, for people to project out like, well, you know, it looks like a weird pick now, but it might be a good pick in two years. And that it's just hard to think that way. Um, what I'll say about Lonnie is just that because um, – Primo is is so far away from contributing in terms of maybe a season or two. Mm-hmm. I, I I I personally wouldn't like the Spurs to make a decision on Lonnie based on Primo alone. Mm-hmm. However, like my hunch would be that they don't offer him an extension and they just kind of let the season play out. If they do that and all of a sudden he has a great season, well they have match rights basically. But if yeah. he kind of has a season that he has been having, I think it's going to be kind of the Kyle Anderson thing where they they see if someone throws a big offer or a big contract at him. Um, and they decide whether or not they want to match it. And if they don't match it, they say, you know, we're happy for you to get, you got this contract, but we're going to let you go play somewhere else. I think it's very, very similar to the Kyle Anderson situation at this point. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And we'll get, uh, you know, and, and further on because Lonnie has up until the first day of the regular season to get that extension. We'll, you know, explore that a little bit later off, uh, later on in the off season. All right. Now let's look at the, the next player that the Spurs chose with their second round pick, the 41st pick. And this is Joe Wieskamp. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's had several years in college. So like he's, he's more of a, of a ready uh, player ready to, to play right now. He's not, he's not as raw as a uh, primo. And so, um, you know, he's kind of, a, he was right in that correct projection range. You know, our, our project Spurs draft board had him going 43rd. So it's right, right there, you know, 41, 43. He's right there where he should have been uh, he's a 6-6 shooting guard slash small forward who can really shoot the ball and spread the floor for you um, you know he was in, in this draft class he was one of the top shooters um, from three and because of how well his accuracy percentage is he does his percentage translates to saying yes this is going to be a guy who can make the NBA three right away at, at a pretty good consistent level his NBA player comps on different sites are you know Duncan Robinson Kevin Herter Luke Kennard Aaron Nismith. now you might ask you know why is he in, in, why was he a second round pick well it's because of the defense you know he really that, that, that's the one knock on him is his defense he admitted that you know we, we interviewed him after the after he got drafted and he basically said you know defense is his one knock and he definitely wants to improve on that so you know that's one of the probably one of the key reasons why he's so far down uh, uh fell to, to 41 but again you know this guy can shoot and this is a team coming back right now um you know we don't talk about the free agents that doesn't have a lot of shooting you know i just uh, i just looked at the roster and i had tweeted this earlier i just said you know some of the like he would already be like one of the top four shooters on this team when you have like Derek white lonnie walker um uh there, there's another guy um I forgot who it was. Oh, Devin Vassell. And then, like, Wieskamp might literally be their fourth best um, shooter in terms of volume and also accuracy just coming into this roster. Now, something to keep in mind, though, is that, yes, he is a second-round pick, so we got to see if the Spurs will even sign him to a deal. And the reason why I say that is because they have a different track record with second-round picks. They could go the option of Trey Jones, what they did last year, where they gave him basically an NBA contract for the, for the minimum um, amount because they have all this cap space, and basically get him on, you know, one to, to three or four-year deal. It's up to them. Or they could even just make him a two-way contract player, which means he's going to spend some time in Austin or come up to the, to the NBA level like they recently did with the Quindary Weathersmoot. So it's not guaranteed, though, that he'll be on the roster, although because of the direction this this franchise is going with with the youth movement, I think that he will. Um, and then I, I, I as, as opposed to, um, to Primo, I really feel like Weis, Wieskamp has a chance of getting some minutes. You know, if this team's struggling uh, to, to, to space the floor, Pop could right away just bring him in and, and, and he, he brings you real quick shooting uh, to spread the floor uh, for your team. So uh, what are some of your thoughts on them to taking Wieskamp with the 41st pick? I think that that is a great pick. I do also appreciate that, like in the this draft and in the past draft, the Spurs have been focusing on players who are either uh, good shooters or can develop at shooting. Like mm-hmm. I'm glad that we see that they're focusing on shooting after us not quite being sure if they knew that the three point line existed for a while. But I do think it, it is a this is definitely the kind of player type where 
if he can come in and shoot right away, like he can get minutes right away. And in the NBA, one-on-one defense does matter. But if he can get his like team rotation defense to the point of, and it's, I, I'm going to be honest, I've never watched film on this guy. I don't know kind of where his level is at right now. But if he can just get his defense to the point where it's okay enough that he doesn't get played off the floor, then his shooting will almost like certainly have positive value. And that's just such a good thing to get with the 41st pick. So I guess to me, you know, not really having watched him play much, it really does come down to where is the defense and how 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 good can he improve that to at least be to the point where he's not getting played off the floor because teams are attacking him. If, if he can get to that point where he can stay on the floor and even, you know, hopefully maybe to the point where he can stay on the floor in important minutes as a shooter to space the floor, then then all of a sudden he does become a really valuable player, and getting that with the 41st pick is awesome. And I like my preference would be the Trey Jones-style thing rather mm-hmm. than the two-way, just because we're going back to the way that it was before where two-ways can't play in the playoffs unless you convert them to full contracts. Oh, okay. And if his shooting is like as advertised and he is able to play, provide use to the team, then I, I think that they should, rather than have to waive someone to sign him to a full contract for a potential playoff run, they should just have him on a full contract to begin with, especially if, if his shooting is as advertised and he can get his defense a little better. That just seems like a better roster fit for me. Yeah, and I, I just feel uh, one, one other thing is, again, like on paper, what I'm seeing right now, I would say, that, yes, this guy's going to get, you know, gets, might even be able to fight for a rotation spot. And I think also get, a, uh, you know, a minimum contract with the Spurs. Uh, but I think one thing, you know, that's that's important is that is that we are going to get to see him play against, you know, not not, you know, start, you know, real NBA quality talent that's on, on you know, an 82 game season. We're going to see him play in the summer league. We're going to see Wieskamp and uh, Primo both play in the Utah summer league and the um, Las Vegas summer league with the Spurs. Uh, GM Brian Wright did say they would both be participating. So this is going to be our first chance and if it just you know just i think it's like a week or two away the, the summer league start so we're gonna get to see our chance exactly how these players stack up against you know you know nba level talent right away you know and the, and the and the floor design at the nba level so so i think that's something interesting to watch and i'll, and I'll have a better opinion on pre on um Wies camp you know a, a, after i see him play a few summer league games and see how he stacks up against nba competition so so yeah i mean that's that's a that's a cool thing to see and and you know so those are the two picks obviously you know that that the um i think it's going to be a wait and see on the primo one i know right now a lot of fans are very disappointed and, and upset about that pick uh uh, and again, we just have to kind of wait and see. And, and I would say one thing, I mean, th- this is a stretch, though, to go that far from twelve to from 28 to 12, is that the Spurs, you know, they kind of get the dip benefit of the doubt a little bit just because they have been drafting so well. I think their last one, that the only player that they, they really didn't uh, uh, have a good draft for was Nikola Milatinov in 2015, only because he didn't come to the NBA. He really hasn't made it, and I don't think he will come to the NBA. But, you know, the players they've been taking with their, their first-round picks lately, uh, maybe also aside from Simonich, but again, we're kind of waiting to see because he hasn't had a chance to play. They, they, they've been able to, you know, turn these guys into, into good quality players. Now, obviously not all-star level players, but, you know, good quality role players like you mentioned Colin so again it's going to be a wait and see with Primo and you know it, and again it could be mul- not more than just this four-year deal it could just be going even even further before they think you know that we really see what, what he turns into all right so now um, you know before we, we j- jump into free agency here I, I want to begin by looking at the team breakdown of where they stand right now heading into free agency um, starting on, on Monday August 2nd uh, so so I want to explore first Colin are the um, players on guaranteed contracts and then some decisions and then we'll look at the, who the Spurs free agents are so guaranteed players coming back right now barring a trade would be de- from the start Starting lineup, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, and Jakob Pertl. Players coming off the bench um, on guaranteed contracts are Trey Jones, 
Lonnie Walker the fourth, uh, Devin Vassell, Lucas Shamanich, and then um, Drew Eubanks. Now he's on a non-guaranteed contract, but they're most likely going to guarantee it. So I'm just putting him in that guaranteed group. Then we have Josh Primo once he signs his rookie contract, and I'm assuming they'll, they'll, they'll sign Joe Wieskamp to a Trey Jones type contract, so he'll be on the roster. So what does that mean? That means if all these players are on the roster, you know, as free agency starts, that's 11 players on your roster, and you only have four open roster spots. Plus, you have two two-way. But again, the, the key here is with free agency is the four open roster spots. Now, they do have a decision to make coming up soon on Sunday, August 1st with Daquan Jeffries. Uh, he, is a, he has a team option for his contract. I think it's like $1.7 But they have to make a determination if they're going to keep him on the roster for next season, fully guaranteed, or if they're going to waive him. If they waive him, well, then they can make him restricted free agent or they can just let him walk. Now, if they keep Jeffries, well, then all of a sudden, hey, your roster's crunch is even lower now. You have 12 players on, on guaranteed contracts, and then you have just three slots open to add free agents. So again, that's that's key. Now let's look at who who's going to be um, heading into free agency. We have uh, DeMar DeRozan, unrestricted free agent. Rudy Gay, unrestricted free agent. Patty Mills, unrestricted free agent. Trey Lyles uh, and Gorgie Jank and Quindary Weatherspoon are also all unrestricted free agents. The only player they can make into a uh, turn into a uh, restricted free agent is Kata Beats Jop, uh, though they haven't announced yet if they're going to do that, tender him a qualifying offer. And also, um, you know, if, if they let all these free agents walk, well, then we know that they can create up to $49 million in cap space. So so before we get into specific um, players, Colin, did you have any, did you have any um, thoughts on the team breakdown just heading into free agency before we talk about individual players? Yeah, it, it is interesting because um, you look at their free agents and you do expect, you know, not a lot of that list is coming back, but it'd be incredibly surprising if none of that list comes back, you know? And and Jeffries was really a player brought in. I don't even know if he played a game with no, the Spurs. No, he didn't. No, he yeah, didn't. and he came in right at the end, and they really brought him in just to see, like, to get him into their system and to kind of get them into their, like, organization. And so I know he'll probably be there at training camp. I don't know if he'll be there at Summer League, but d- they'll have to make a decision on that. Like you said, <laughs> pretty pretty dang quick without being able to really see much there so yes. that's interesting um but even even if they they decline that option you know you would expect them to bring one or two of their free agents back and if they do that all of a sudden they only have two or three roster spots open which is mm-hmm. really really interesting when you think about how many uh needs they need to fill but also how many good free agents are out there um and how much uh cap space they have <laughs> yeah so it's it's yeah exactly it's almost like a roster crunch considering that they have so much money you know to right. spend in free agency so so now let's go play you know by, by a few of these free agents um specifically and i just want to get your thoughts on on, on uh, their situation and what you think uh, so let's fir- let's first be with the big free agent here this is demar Derozan. um you know we've seen him before the lakers made that trade for um russell westbrook you know there was some, some, a lot of interest between Derozan and the lakers and he even went on the record in an interview with shannon sharp and said you know he would be open to playing for the lakers even if it meant you know, maybe taking less money. But now that Russ is there, that probably rules out the Lakers as, as an option. So, uh, I, you know, there's there's been different teams with reported interest in him. There's the Spurs, that there's been a report that they want to bring him back. There's the Bulls, the Chicago Bulls, the Clippers, the Washington Wizards, and also the New York Knicks. Now, the two teams that would need to actually use a sign-and-trade to, to, to bring in DeRozan would probably be the Clippers and the Wizards. So, so for, for them to sign DeRozan, it's very difficult. They, the Spurs need to get involved there with the three-team, um, you know, it's a sign-and-trade. Now, the Spurs, obviously we know they have his bird ride. They have all this free agency. I mean, all this cap space, so they can easily, you know, bring him back if they wanted to, and, and he wanted to come back. Uh, then we have the Bulls, who are who can open up some a good amount of cap space for him. Um, might need to make a few trades just to get s- some more cap space. And then we have the um, the the uh, the Knicks, who have a lot of cap space. They actually have more than the Spurs, so they could easily just give it DeRozan a contract outright. So, what are your thoughts on, on DeRozan? First of all, you know the fact that you know he, he could be signed to trade some of these teams, or, or um, you know, wh- what what do you think? Well, so um, 
You know, I never even had thought about a signing trade with the Clippers. But what's interesting is I know that at one time, I'm not sure where they stand on this now, but at one time the Spurs had interest in Marcus Morris. So I do know that, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they have that to trade. <laughs> but um, I, I, so that's interesting. And I know that, that because it's so easy to look at this as like an asset play, right? Like, oh, if DeMar is going to leave, then we need to do a sign-in trade to get something back for him is kind of where fans are at with that. But just like that roster crunch that you just mentioned – that 11 players or 12 players on roster wasn't including DeMar DeRozan. So if you sign and trade him, you're getting one or two players back. Mm-hmm. Like that crunch gets even worse. Like I, I, I do not think that DeMar DeRozan walking in free agency without a sign and trade is the end of the world for the Spurs. And in fact, it might make their offseason go a little bit easier because better to be able to sign the free agents you want to sign than make a trade just to make it. And now your roster is really full of players that you're kind of ho-hum about just because you did it to get some assets back. You know, like they have 50 million in cap space. This is the time to go fill those four spots or three spots with free agents that they like rather than players that they're kind of iffy about because that's where DeMar wanted to go. You know, so it, it, to me, it's just, I, I think that him walking in free agency without a sign and trade, which uh, is probably the most likely option at this point, really isn't the end of the world. And I just, I kind of, want to get that out there into the the ethos because i think that it's just become so much like the spurs need to get something back for DeRozan, and i i don't know if that's true yeah and so um you know i before you and i started recording i was listening to a podcast on espn with um zach Lowe and bobby marks and zach uh low mentioned that you know when he first heard about you know the, the chance because like you know DeRozan said in that interview about about going to the lakers that you know he he does want to win he wants to compete now now he's at that point in his career where he's ready to, to move on to a team that you know can compete for a championship at this point but you know zach Lowe mentioned that you know a few weeks ago he he gauged you know uh um you know what, what does he think that uh, he has some, some i guess like front office people that you know what do you think the chances are that that um that uh DeRozan comes back to the spurs or they he, they had said like 90 10 he's leaving but then now it's kind of dropped down to like 60 40 so and then bobby marks made the case that really like if it's not the knicks he doesn't know who's actually going to throw that big offer at DeRozan, and so he could actually see a very likely scenario if if the spurs can't figure out the, the free agent that they want uh and, and maybe um DeRozan can't get the money that he wants well then he, he, he could see you know another year or two of, of them just kind of re-signing together working with each other again so you know it's not you're not ruling it out and again there was there was a report um by uh, mark spears of espn that, that yes the spurs are still interested in keeping him so, so you know we'll see what happens uh, uh, Brian Wright, the GM, was asked about that, um, you know, at, in his press conference um, yesterday, and he basically just said, you know, they're they're waiting for those conversations until, ne- until they can actually be, start free agency. So right now, you know, they haven't really had those conversations until it officially begins. So again, we'll kind of see you with DeRozan. It's all over the place. You know, he could leave. He could, um, you know, right now, if I just had to just give my opinion against my reporting, I would say the Knicks, just because it's easier. Zach Law also mentioned how they made some 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 trades with their picks, so that way they could they could open up even more cap space. So I really feel like right now it would be the Knicks, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, what happens? So. Uh, with DeRozan. All right, let's go to Rudy Gay. Um, you know, his contract projection, according to Profit X, is kind of like in that MLE range. Um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of noise about what he's deciding to do. If he wants to go compete for a championship, well, then we think that, you know, a contender can probably give him a mid-level exception type deal. Um, if the Spurs can't spend their cap space or find anyone to take uh, you know, that they really want to use, they can just re-sign Rudy to, to a good deal to, to eat up some of that cap space for maybe like a one-year more one year deal. What are your thoughts on Rudy? You know, I think that we've kind of seen a lot of big wings going to like these championship contenders for the MLE or the tax MLE. And I feel like that's kind of the trajectory that, that Rudy's on right now, just mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, a team where he can contribute off the bench and spot like a matchup dependent guy, like very much like the West Matthews blueprint really. Um, 
And I know that the West Matthews didn't get used as much in LA as people thought that he might have going into the season. But I, I just I think that that blueprint just makes too much sense for that not to be how this goes from here. So I, I would be surprised if the Spurs re-sign him. But I think he's going to be on a contender for you know the tax MLE or the MLE and and just kind of contribute in his like in limited spots, but but kind of have a, a good role on a team like that. I agree with you. I think that he's moving on, you know, probably toward, toward a playoff level team at this point. All right, let's go to Patty Mills. He, he's interesting because, you know, we know, we know that he has the background with the Spurs. He's been he's been with, with this team for, for the majority of his career, aside from those, those first few years in Portland. Um, you know, he's a really part of the city, part of the culture of the team. He's a leader on the team. Um, so, so we know that, you know, uh, there's just a lot of questions, you know, whether or not they're going to they're going to bring him back because, you know, does it, do they maybe bring him back like at, at an MLE type level? Because we know that, you know, he's he's still playing well enough where he, he's projected to get about ten point nine million to 14 million uh, out in free agency per profit X. Um, but then, you know, if, if he were to leave, well, then not only does that put a lot of pressure on, on Trey Jones or even somebody like Josh Primo to have to, to step up and play a lot of minutes there at the backup point guard spot. But also, you know, the Spurs lose their top three point shooter. He's their he's their he's their best shooter in terms of volume and accuracy. So that that's one of their go to guys. And, and we've seen here, you know, he's out he's out in the Olympics right now with Australia uh, competing right now. And so he, we see that, you know, when he's given, you know, a, a certain roles or, you know, his minutes aren't as much. And it's and we know that he, he kind of struggled a little bit toward the down the end of the stretch there that he can still be an impactful player. Um, what are your thoughts on Patty if whether or not they bring him back? Yeah, I like if I had to make a bet on this, um, I would say that they're going to re-sign Patty, and and like in my personal opinion as well, I think they should. He is the best shooter on the team, and especially, kind of, in my eyes, he's the best spot-up shooter on the team, which is in my eyes a very important thing, just because, you know, they need more players who can play off ball. They have several players who, with the ball in their hand, can get to the to the rim, and who can kind of break down defenses that way. But they also need players who can stand like on the perimeter and be ready to hit an open shot once that player does that if they pass out to them. And Patty is the best example of that right now. So if they don't re-sign him, they're going to have to get that in free agency. And that's just like, why go out and get a player that you could just re-sign that's already on your own team? Because they're going to have to make up what they're losing from him in free agency. I know the grass is always greener. I know that Spurs fans know exactly who Patty Mills is. And so like the like prospect of some of these free agents that are out there sounds more alluring, but it's not going to be. If the Spurs lose Patty and don't replace him, the shooting is going to just get worse on this team. And I do think, you know, like it's kind of hard to define how much does team chemistry matter? How much does leadership matter? And it's hard to define how much it does, but I think it does. And I think that Patty brings a lot of that to the team. So yeah, just I, in terms of his shooting and that, I just, I, I, I don't think they can make it back up. Okay, yeah, and I kind of agree with you. I just feel like yes, like they're, they're gonna. I, I could see unless he, unless it's like a big contract that he really wants. I could see yes, him him returning. Just you know, he, he's. I'm, I'm looking at profit uh, profit X's um, career outlook model, and he's still you know projected to be a, an impact player, an impact starter, you know, level bench player uh, for these next two two seasons. Uh, with he's not not, not going to be a starter, but what I mean is like the production he brings to a team is going to be that um, closer to it to the level of a starter. So yeah, for these next two seasons, you know, despite him getting older, I, I still you know they they project that he's still going to be a really good. Quality player and so i think that you know that's what the spurs can do is maybe give him like a a two to three year deal and see maybe um you know maybe this season he continues to have his role but maybe next season or the season after he starts to kind of like be more that mentor role as he gets to, uh, later toward the end of his career so again you know it wouldn't surprise me at all either if they resign patty but again if it's for a lot more money well then maybe they let him he, he does choose to go uh, elsewhere depending on who offers a contract these next players i'll just kind of say their names and you just kind of i'm i'm, I'm going to i'm going to project now that they're leaving the team that they're not going to resign this is um a gorgie jang uh trey Lyle, 
Wiles, Akita Bates, Jop, and Quindary Weatherspoon. Those four free agents. I, I don't see them coming back to San Antonio. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think either of them come back? I, I would agree on all of that. I just think, you know, um, each of them has contributed for the Spurs in different ways. You know, the last two kind of maybe less so, but just we are talking about that roster crunch. If they do resign Patty. Now, all of a sudden, they have three roster spots to do things with, and that just gets tough to operate. There are, with their $50 million in space, they could upgrade over each of those players, I would say, with what's out there. there. It's not an amazing free agent class, but they can upgrade over at least the players you just mentioned. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So, again, we both think that those players are gone. All right, so now, I have a, before we get into the specific free agents, I do have one more, uh, two more questions for you. The first one is, do you see? Do you think that, let's just say that the Spurs aren't so high on this free agent class, or maybe that the players that they want, uh, let's just say John Collins, right? Right away, Woj breaks that, you know, the the, 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 the Hawks and John Collins agree to a deal. So so there's no chance of the Spurs to send an offer sheet. Now, if that happens, where like they're, 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 the free agents they really want are, are going to be off the board, or they don't think they have a realistic chance, do you see the Spurs as being one of those teams that can kind of take in bad contracts, but but get future draft assets. Um, I know that Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks said they don't have a track record of doing this because they always want to be competitive as long as Pop's coaching them. But do you see them maybe looking at that scenario? It, so I I was actually thinking that it would be difficult for that same reason you just outlined. And also just because of the... Um, so if they start to rebuild now, they kind of have to blow up what they've been building with this young core. I think that like maybe Keldon and Devin and Luca are in spots where they could kind of keep them around but i think that Dejounte and Derek are both kind of getting a little bit older to have a full-size rebuild where the players that are going to be important on this team aren't even drafted yet it might not even be in college yet yeah. um so it's just like i think they certainly can do that but i just that kind of rebuild doesn't make quite as much sense for the spurs now i think that maybe they could take on a contract of a player who and i don't have a good example of course right now but a player who like you know, this player could be a contributor, but he's just probably not worth the contract and do that kind of thing where they're not just taking on salary that's not going to do anything for them, but they're actually taking in a player who can contribute. It's just, you know, overpaid on his current contract. And that might be kind of a best of both worlds scenario where there's a player that's helping them win now, um, just a little overpaid, but they're also getting some capital for taking that player on. I think, I think that'd be the best construction of that deal. But if they're taking on like, but if they're taking on like, a player who's not going to get any playing helps with their uh, current goals. Okay, okay, interesting. And then the last player I want to talk about before we get into free, the free agents is uh, Ben Simmons. You know, you and I talked, I think it was you and I a few weeks ago that, you know, when he was, when Philly was first looking to trading him, uh, how, how the Spurs should, should maybe make a run at him. And so apparently they, they, they at least asked Philly, you know, what, what would it take? Apparently, according to Zach Lowe, you know, the Spurs did at least um, ask. And then Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer reported that, um, you know, Philly wanted a lot for, for from the Spurs if they wanted Ben Simmons. They basically asked for a young player plus four first-round future first-round picks and three pick swaps, which is very um, similar to um, the, the uh, James Harden package to, to, to Brooklyn. That kind of a package is what, what they're looking at. And right now we, we know that the Spurs turned that down uh, reportedly, and also you know every team's basically been turning that down. There's no, there's no one that's offering a, a James Harden-esque type of package. But what are your, th- your thoughts on the Spurs actually at least being interested in looking at Ben Simmons and trading for him? You know, I, I know that we discussed this last time we talked, but that makes a lot of sense because they, they do just need to get like that all-star level player yeah. on the team if they want to advance forward and like this is their best opportunity to do so. Is that too high of a price? Absolutely. However, it's also the smart move for Maury to do this. Like they are setting the price and they're going to come down. Like no one's going to accept this value, obviously, but they can't, they're not going to let other teams define the market. They're going to start with this ludicrously high number and then they're going to like slowly back it down over time until finally a team is going to be like, okay, you know what? This is still a lot 
but I think we'll take a chance on it. And so I think they're they're actually handling this the right way by by setting it so ludicrously high that no one's going to say it. But now they're completely in control of the market and they're just going to slowly step it down as time goes on. Um, I think it was good for the Spurs to be interested, and I think they should continue to be interested in it as the 76ers start stepping down what their asking price is. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right there. I'm, I, at least it's good to see that the Spurs were interested. Uh, obviously, you know that was that was a crazy package. You know, in the future, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, what what if that if that package um go, goes down and something is uh you know that Woj's report is that you know Ben Simmons and his agent are working with the Sixers. Basically, they're they're working um in step and, and looking to see where, where he where could what could be his new home in terms of a team to be traded to. All right, so you know again, those are some things to watch. Now let's go ahead and jump right into this free agent portion. And so um the, the way the way I'm doing this is um you know we're, we're going to look at some of the comments that Brian Wright made um, uh, post-draft on what the team wants to add in, in, in the offseason. So one thing he said he wants to add is uh, they want to add, add shooting the Spurs. They also want to get bigger and add versatility is key, he said. He said he wants to have players that can play inside and out, not just be like, you know, one-dimensional type players, I guess. And then he also said he wants to solidify the front court. So with that in mind, you know, I've looked at the free agency list that, that's coming uh, up and, I, and I've kind of put some, some, some free agents I think are realistic targets for the Spurs uh, in, in, um, in different groups and unrestricted free agents restricted and then also in the event that DeRozan does want to do a sign and trade with one of these teams so that's kind of what I'm going to discuss and then Colin you can kind of give me your, your background on, on those thoughts and then also if you had any specific um, free agents but before we start this part I do want to note that I'm going to use some contract projections from Profit X so I want to make sure I give them credit uh, and just let you know uh, Spurs casters that Profit X is a dynamic financial and performance index powered by artificial intelligence with front office optics displaying 17 visual and time series models for 480 plus NBA athletes the Athletics models historical dynamic and future performance data to monitor and project project insights on contracts performances uh injuries team fit development of potential you can follow them on twitter at profit xai or and also on instagram so now let's go ahead and jump into this so so the, so some players if we're just talking about adding shooting i'm really looking for players that are are, are younger than 30 because you know they want to fit that spurs timeline and also players that um you know are for what well, i'm looking for size you know six 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 seven uh, and above in terms of these players out on the wing uh and, and you know some of these players are a question on defense though um compared to to, to the others so the first player i have is kelly Oubre jr who it's been reported that the spurs do have interest now the price tag uh for signing him is pretty high it's 24.2 million according to to profit x colin what would your thoughts be of them looking at kelly Oubre jr i think that makes a lot of sense in terms of just kind of the player archetypes they're looking for i will say in terms of shooting i do think that he can be a little bit streaky i know that he started the year very terribly and that happens to all shooters but i think he missed like 19 of his first 23s this season or something like that but I, I do think that kind of what he provides in terms of both size and his skill set I actually think is a very good fit on this team um, and I think he's a very interesting player because the Warriors don't really have way like they could sign and trade him and maybe get an asset back but they don't really have because of their cap situation have a way to make up his mm-hmm. um salary if he just leaves so he's just a very interesting player to monitor but i think you know the spurs are in the situation where they have enough cap space where they can throw kind of a bigger offer at a player like kelly Oubre and bring him in and i think his skills could help this team Okay, so interesting again, yeah, and again, it's been reported the Spurs do have do have interest. Uh, this next player is is um, you know the the contract's not too bad. He's going to give you some shooting, but I think that he's going to he's going to struggle a little bit on the defensive end. So I couldn't really see him starting. Uh, he'd have to be a player who comes off the bench. And this is Furkin Korkmaz, um, shooter off the bench. I think he's six seven out of Philly. Um, he's he, his projection right now is nine million dollars. What do you think about Korkmaz? Um, you know, I think that that isn't a player that I know quite as well. But I, I do wonder if like he's a player just because. 
part of the thing with the Sixers has always been they haven't had enough shooting around Joel Embiid. That's part of the problem with Simmons there. And I just feel like he fits well with what the 76ers are doing. So I think that they're going to prioritize signing him. But if, if the Spurs can convince him to leave, I do think that he'd be another a good option for kind of what you're saying, a rotation shooter player. Okay. And then the last player in terms of this group here that I have is um, Otto Porter Jr. Now, I, I know that you know he hasn't looked great the last few years because he's been hobbled by injuries. And that's another risk, though, is that he's a very injury-prone player. But right now, because of because of the injuries, basically, you can get him – his projection right now is $9.6 million, which that's not bad. Because he's 6'8", you know, he's a, he, he's got the defensive tools where, like, I could see him starting with the Spurs at the four, you know, being able to guard guys like – you know, at least be, be a better uh, matchup for guys like LeBron and Kawhi and all these other players compared to, you know, Keldon Johnson or Derek White or DeJounte Murray or even DeMar DeRozan. And when he was uh, when he's with the Spurs, so I, I see him more so as a better fit on the defensive end. Uh, he could play at the four, like I mentioned. Uh, you know, if he if he can get his, his, his three point shooting, he's also a little streaky. He's not as consistent as well. But if he can get back and get healthy, I feel like he'd be a good option, especially at nine point six million. What do you think about Otto Porter Jr.? No, I, I agree with that, and I think you know health is one of those things where. You know, a player can struggle with health for years and years and then get into the right situation where a team, you know, there's so many things that go into that rest, rehab, all of that kind of stuff. And there are certain teams that are just better at that kind of stuff. And also sometimes an environment might just be better for someone. So, you know, if he can get into the Spurs organization and they are able to just kind of with their training program, keep him healthier, he just kind of has better luck with that kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and then he can contribute at that position. Like what you said, starting at the four, like that's that's really valuable for the Spurs right now, because I think that that kind of big forward wing kind of the part where the Venn diagram of like wing and forward overlaps, <laughs> yeah. that's where the Spurs are like really shallow in terms of talent. And that's where they really need to look at it, which I know is why you kind of started going after players like this. Um, so I think, you know, like if that health can hold up, like a player that would give them depth at that area is, is incredibly important to this team right now. For sure. Did you have any players in that, like that, that wing kind of, kind of um, um, play type uh, that you were looking at? Yeah. So, um, and, and this, I, I'm just kind of looking back over my um, sheet as we were talking. Uh, so we, we had talked about Duncan Robinson a couple of times, which that mm-hmm. one is kind of scary because I do think that the Heat are going to throw a big offer sheet at him. But one, And I know that we talked about that too. And, and um, But as I was looking through this again, you know, <laughs> I don't know if he would be interested in a reunion just because his skills help championship teams so much. But, I, I, I mean, Danny Green is a free agent this offseason, and he'd fit very well on this team. Um, and, you know, there are, there are several players like that out there. But, you know, when I, when I was kind of going through my list and kind of making a list of all of the free agents, it was interesting to me that um, Danny Green uh, kind of stood out. And I think – so this player doesn't really, I don't think, fits this archetype especially well. But in terms of just kind of someone with size and can kind of do that in terms of give them a little bit more of that wing uh, forwardy depth um, – you know, the Grizzlies um, tried – oh, my gosh. Let me look at my sheet here real quick. Uh, Justice Winslow. They um, okay. They traded for him, you know, and it was going to be kind of a second draft thing. He was supposed to be this kind of point forward in Miami, but then Miami kind of accelerated their timeline with the signing of Butler and all that kind of stuff. So the Grizzlies gave up a lot for him, but then just kind of like you're talking about with Otto Porter Jr., very, very injured, couldn't find a way to get on the court with everything else going on. And I'd be interested if the Spurs could maybe do a third draft type of thing and if he has more health, if he can kind of – like they could buy low 
on him at this point and maybe yeah. bring him in and maybe he could provide value over what would be expected just because these past couple of seasons have been so much lower than what his expected value was that he's in like a big buy low type of situation right now. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And, he, and he's going to be probably a, a um, unrestricted free agent because the Grizzlies are going to have to, to waive him to, to make that, that deal work with trading Valanciunas to the Pelicans for, for, for Eric Bledsoe and Stephen, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Stephen Adams. There you go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah, he could definitely be uh, available. Now I see Profit X has his, his projection at, um, let me see here, like 9.3 is like the MLE range, but I yeah. think that could be, the lower is like 6.9. So again, I, I uh, you know that's that's a good that's a good shot maybe maybe taking a gamble on a player like like Winslow because you know he's 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 so young and has been bothered by a lot of uh, injuries in the, in the past few years so, you know maybe you know uh, you know that that's that's interesting to look at um, let's go on to, to to that other part that that, that um, Brian Wright said the GM he said you know getting bigger with versatility is key he wants players that can play inside and outside uh, also solidify the front court so now let's look at some some bigger players uh, than just like six eight so um, if we're looking at unrestricted free agents I really couldn't find a player aside from who kind of fits these this this model except for like. Kelly Kelly Olynyk. Now the problem though is he he might get a good payday. He you know, he's projected to get about twenty point five million. I think that's a little bit too much if you're for the Spurs to to send um, an offer to Kelly Olynyk. What do you think about Olynyk? You know I, I like the skills that he brings on the offensive side. Not a huge fan on the the defensive side, but if he can play next to um, Pirtle, like I guess some of that's mitigated a little bit. It's just it, it is an interesting fit from that perspective and. You know, the Spurs just so desperately need shooting, and there's a lot of players who I'd be willing to overpay, but uh, Kelly Olenek at that $20 million mark is, is uh, a little bit steep for me. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, and, and I agree there, too. And again, in terms of unrestricted free agents, that's the, that's the player that I could kind of find that kind of fits some of that, that model. Uh, when we talk about restricted free agents, then there's, there, this gets interesting now. John Collins is obviously number one on the list, and, and the problem, though, is that, you know, the latest indications are that he's going to stay in Atlanta. You know, Woj on the night of the draft said basically that, you know, right when free agency starts, uh, Atlanta and John Collins are hoping to come to, together on an agreement. I've also read that he's happy with like a $27.5 million, which isn't quite the max, but at least it's happy uh, that the Hawks, if they give that to him, he'd be willing to stay. And then uh, there was just a report recently from, from Mark Stein uh, today that you and I recorded this on a Friday that, that um, all indications to suitors of John Collins are that he's going to end up staying in Atlanta. So basically, I don't even send your offer sheet at this point. So right now, it kind of looks from where things stand that John Collins is most likely going to be with the Hawks. So that takes him off the list, most likely. And if that's the case, well, then there's two players um, uh, left here that are very interesting. And again, they're both restricted. There's Jared Allen, who is projected to get about $23.4 million uh, um, uh, next season is, is, his, is his contract range. But um, you know, all indications so far do seem like like yes, the Cavs are going to keep him. And now we know that you know they might let him go because they took Evan Mobley in the draft number three. But the problem there is that he doesn't quite fit exactly what what what, what the GM was talking about with the Spurs GM. He's not as as as, as versatile. Now we know he's a great defender, um, has a lot of athleticism. Uh, he's a good rim rolling type of big. So he does very similar some of the things on on the offense and defensive end of what what Jakob can do. But he doesn't do um you know he doesn't bring that versatility and like John Collins would have of being able to you know space the floor and you know put the ball on the floor and things like that. So so that's where I'm. I'm a little bit interested about that, Allen. If if they went after Allen, I, I almost think like a Pirtle trade will be coming down the road. What, what do you think? What are your thoughts on Allen? Yeah, I I think, and we talked about this earlier too. I think reasonable people can disagree on if Pirtle or Allen is a better player. I, I don't know if a reasonable discussion is that the Spurs would, for what the Spurs would need to pay, um, Jared Allen to get him out of the Cavs organization. The overpay of that versus what they're paying Pirtle right now, and they they're gonna have to, like you said, probably trade Pirtle because they both really are are sinners. Like I don't think you can play yeah, either of them with no. the four. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I just don't know what you're doing there because you're gonna probably have to trade Pirtle, and Pirtle's on a good contract, so maybe you can get some value back. But 
you're basically trading him as a consequence of doing this. And I just think the kind of offer you have to send Jared Allen's way just to get him onto the team isn't worth it. When you look at, you have a player with a very similar skill set who's also very, very good at his position uh, that you're already paying like $13 million less. So that, it just doesn't make sense to me in that, that respect. Okay, yeah, and I kind of agree with you. Unless there was a move to to move Pirtle down the road, I, I don't see that why they why they would make that 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 hard run at Jared Allen. And even though his contract projection is twenty three million, well, guess what? If you're going to send an offer sheet, you probably got to give him even more than that to to try to get the Cavs not to match. And then the last player who I think is actually the most the most um, realistic target for the Spurs if they go after him, and and, and he's the most gettable because of the situation is Larry Markinen. You know his his contract projection is only sixteen million, so the Spurs could pay a little bit more to, uh, and see if the Bulls will match or not. You know all indications that Chicago uh, might be willing to let him go he, they're not as you know strong at bringing him back compared to Allen and, and Collins with their with their teams so I really feel like Laurie yeah he, he fits all those things that the Spurs want he, he's a big he can start next to Pirtle he can come off the bench um, he brings you outside shooting he can play inside he can play you know in that mid-range area he can score a little bit near the basket he's gonna have some some issues on defense obviously but you hope that Jakob and the wings can help him out there um, so yeah I feel like Laurie out of all these these players that we t- discussed so far Laurie is probably the, the most gettable from the Spurs if they go after him what are your thoughts on Laurie Markkinen yeah, so you know, there, the I, I agree with everything you said, especially with the gettable part. Um, when it comes to free agency and especially restricted or yeah, restricted free agency, unless there's some sort of reporting out there, it's hard to say kind of, oh, I know this is absolutely going to happen. But I, just because it looks like John Collins is going to come off the board, and just because it looks like the Spurs are interested in Larry Markkinen, and like the Bulls are totally okay with letting him walk. Um, I just think that, that that makes so much sense. I would say that like there's a better than not chance that they walk out of free agency with Lowry Markkinen this year just because of the interest, that he's gettable, that the price tag isn't as high, and he does fit basically exactly what Brian Wright was saying in terms of what they're looking for in a player. And I yeah. that it, he might have been saying that with Lowry Markkinen in mind, you know? I mean, um, you hear the jokes. Like I think John Hollinger made a joke a couple of days ago about a lot of free agency happened three weeks ago, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that could have been like, hint, hint, wink, wink, we know this is already happening kind of thing. Like, I, I just, it makes too much sense, especially if John Collins is off the board. I, I I would almost kind of be shocked at this point if they don't leave free agency with one of Collins and Markkinen, and because it looks like it's not going to be Collins, I, I feel pretty, like, again, no sourcing or reporting. I just, it just seems like something that's that's bound to happen at this point. Yeah, and as you were speaking, I just thought of two things. Like one is like just remember a few years ago they were interested when when Chris asked Porzingis was with the Knicks, they were interested in going after him. The Spurs were one of those teams that wanted him. So maybe you you get you get a, he's not quite at the level of Porzingis, but a player who's a, who very much fits like that 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 type of player um, archetype uh, in Laurie Markkinen. And then plus also. You, you you can gamble with marketing with an offer sheet because you can send an offer sheet to Chicago. Let's say eighteen million, right? Um, Two million more than what what, what's, what his projection is, and you still have enough cap space to kind of go around and and look at different free agents in the meantime. Whereas, like let's say you send a twenty eight million dollar um, offer sheet to John Collins, well then that gets interesting because then your 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 options in terms of other free agents are a little bit more limited and who else you're pursuing as you wait those because you got to be able to wait these forty eight hours out if you do send a um a, a full offer sheet to a, to a free agent. And so again, I think that yes, like out of these players. If I had to say which one, um, you know, has the Spurs have the best chance of getting? I really think that it's Laurie Markin, and so I think that'll be really interesting to see if, if you know, maybe some some rumors start to heat up um, as we get closer to free agency if, if about that their interest in him. Now, this last pl- these last two players um, aren't necessarily um, free agents; but they're on contracts. But these these are just two players I'm looking at in the event that uh, the Spurs did want to work on the sign and trade with DeRozan. So let's just say DeRozan and, and the Washington Wizards um, wanted to work together. You know, maybe DeRozan wants to go play alongside Bradley Beal next year. Um, and, and there's been some some reporting that. Yeah, 
yes, the, the Wizards are one of those teams that has interest. Well, then I, I, I think that maybe you can get some players there that kind of fit these models as well that are bigs. Uh, uh, two players specifically, see if the Wizards will be unloading either one of them or both of them. Uh, Davis Bertans, obviously, you know, Spurs are very familiar with him. They, they, they brought him in to their organization. Uh, maybe you can get Bertans or um, Kyle Kuzma, um, you know, who, who are po- uh, apparently, according to Mark Stein, before he got traded to, to the Wizards, uh, the Spurs were one of the teams trying to, trying to see if the Lakers would work with them on, on getting Kuzma to the Spurs in the event that DeRozan wanted to go to the Lakers and they could do a sign and trade. So what are your thoughts on either of those two players in the event that DeRozan wanted to go to the Wizards and the Wizards, you know, we're, we're talking to Spurs? No, I, I think that's interesting because it, it, you know, Kuzma, you're kind of doing the second draft type of thing where he's been on the Lakers and his first season of the Lakers was great. And then kind of it became the um, LeBron James experience. And, you know, he didn't quite look as good after that. I think that sometimes a change of scenery really can't help. And I actually think that works with Laurie Markkinen as well. You know, I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, depending on the role that the Spurs give him, Laurie Markkinen could look a lot better than he did in his last season in Chicago. And so I think, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who were not extremely excited to hear about the possibility of Kyle Kuzma in San Antonio. However, I just, I think... You just have to take as many shots at finding good young players as possible, and this is a shot. Is it absolutely going to work out if it were to happen? No, but like it's worth happening. Now, Bertans, I, I'm a little bit kind of nervous just because he had a pretty rough year, and, and so it's hard to know if like a player who had a rough year because of COVID, they'll bounce back from that. And I mean, because of COVID, both in the sense that like the Wizards were really hit by it hard, but also like he was pretty much out um, from the time that the like uh pandemic started to the time that uh they started training camp you know like he was really out of basketball Mm -hmm. so is he going to return to that form that he had in the 1920 season or is like what we saw kind of where he's at now because if that's the case then that's that's not you know 1920 bertons obviously would be awesome to have on the spurs uh 2021 bertons you know that's that's not quite as, as exciting of a player but I think that just taking a shot on a young player like Kuzma, even though I know that there are a lot of fans out there who are kind of concerned with, with different aspects of his game, you just I, I think that at this point they just have to take as many shots as they can get. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. So yeah, I mean, yes, first guess is you know just like we discussed there, you know, hopefully that you all, that helped you all out uh, in kind of knowing you know that was like our primer, free agency primer of you know all the options the Spurs have. I think the, the real interesting part though, like when when I really put it down on paper, was the fact that they only have so few roster spots left. Like I didn't realize that until I started really putting this con this, this roster together. It's like wow, like you know they don't have any options if they bring back some of these players. You know, it's like like three or four players that they can even add to this team. So you know, we'll see which which way the the um, the Spurs go in free agency. It does begin officially on August. August 2nd is when teams can begin negotiations at 5 p.m. Central Time. And then, you know, they have to wait those, um, you know, those, those five or six days for, for the moratorium. And then they can officially start signing contracts. Uh, but again, they can at least agree in principle to certain type of deals. If the Spurs send an offer sheet to somebody like Laurie Markkinen, well, then we have to, we, we're going to wait 48 hours to see if the Bulls match or not. Or, or even if it's somebody like John Collins with the Hawks. So again, we'll kind of see, um, you know, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com, especially next week when, um, you know, free agency begins. We'll be, we'll be covering that in, in full depth um, over on Project Spurs. And thanks again to Colin for joining me here on the Spurs cast episode and also to michael de leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us with project spurs stay safe and have a great day 